Hello, hello, hello. This is Self-Discovery with Survivor Empower Life Coach Financial. I'm your host, Alicia. I'm a certified life coach and an accountant. I'm certified in the state of Connecticut to assist with individual in an active domestic violence and a sexual situation. I'm also a survivor of domestic violence myself. Self-discovery is here to assist survivors in rediscovering themselves through my podcast with relevant topic where we discuss how, why, and solution. Before we get started, I want you to get your pencil, paper, notebook, journal, and I want you to write down whatever resonates with you. Now, we got to keep in mind that everybody's story is different, but what we can take away is that they're sharing and what they're sharing might trigger things in you. And if they trigger things in you and you're not able to stay, just pause and exit out and come back another time. But also, it might not be you. It might highlight a situation in your family or friends that you weren't aware of, but this gave you an example like, wow, my friend be doing this. Wow, this happened. And so it enlightened you. It make you aware of different situations because remember, we might share the umbrella of domestic violence, but everybody's situation is different because the two players involved is unique. So with that in mind, I'm going to introduce my special guest. Her name is Glenda. Glenda, please introduce yourself and share your story, please. Uh, good evening. My name is Glenda. I am a 55-year-old woman who um, experienced domestic violence on two occasions in my 20s. Um, the first time that um, I experienced it was with the man that I I loved because um, he was my, I viewed him as my protector and I trusted him. He checked all the boxes in my world and I just knew that he was going to be it. And um, then he, one day uh, while I was in school, because this happened while I was a college student, I was 22 years old. He, um, he came to my school because he, he always came down on the weekends because um, that's the only way I could see him. I was, I was away at school and he was in, uh, New York, where we were from. And he he thought that I was uh, cheating on him because I was away at school and he wasn't in school. And his friends were like, oh, you know, those college girls, that's all they do. They cheat. They mess around. You you think you're her, her boyfriend, but you're not. And, you know, I realized back then that, you know, young people don't communicate the way we do today like when i was 22 i did not have the capacity to communicate properly so in my mind like when i started this i said he checked off all the boxes i just knew that we were going to make it i just knew that he was going to be my husband we even talked about it we planned it mm -hmm. and um but the only thing is in my world i was the only one who believed that in his mind he didn't but he couldn't communicate that to me and i did not know that he didn't feel that way because back then, 
I would have done everything in my power to reassure him because I wanted him be beyond um, anything that I could imagine. I just knew he was it. And so this one particular weekend, my friends and I were going to take our boyfriends to uh, Virginia, to King's Dominion. But something happened to the car that we had, so we couldn't do it. And because it was a surprise, I kept going in and out of the room. And he took that to mean that I was doing something. And so on one of the occasions, we would, my friends and I were downstairs discussing how we would try to rectify the situation. And he came downstairs and he said, that's it. Uh, Glenda can't talk anymore. And he just pulled me away. I'm thinking, oh, like, what was that about? I had never, he had never done anything like that, but it didn't make me think that something bad was about to happen until I got up, back upstairs to my dorm room. And he went in the room first and I came in after him and the door to my room, it, you have to pull it in. So when I pulled it in to turn, I pulled it in to close it. And when I entered the room, he slapped me. Like it just came out of nowhere. And I um, I was devastated. I, I couldn't believe that this man put his hands on me. I had shared a lot with him about the way I um, grew up. You know, my mom is a domestic, a domestic violence survivor as well. I witnessed her being beaten on so many occasions I can't I can't name. And I was conflicted. In that situation, because I loved her abuser. He was her husband, but he was my stepfather, but he was, I loved him. And so when I saw him doing that to my mother, I was like, oh my God, I don't like him anymore. But that wasn't true. I still liked him. And the fact that my mother stayed with him made me think that, okay, maybe that's okay. Maybe that's what adults do. And so when I was years later, I mean, the first time I saw my mom, um, be uh, uh, physically um, assaulted, I was nine years old. And so at this time, I was 22 years old when this uh, man hit me, my, my ex-boyfriend, when he hit me. And I said, even though I thought maybe that, that that was right, when he hit me, I knew that that wasn't right. right. But I was scared and I didn't know what to do. So I just started hitting him back. But because he was so much bigger than me, he just grabbed my two hands and held them like it. I mean, I'm you guys can't see me. I'm smiling, but it wasn't funny. I was um, I was embarrassed. I felt like everybody saw it, even though no one saw it. But I was filled with so much emotion that um, I just knew that I was in a bad situation and I didn't know how to get out of it. And for the first time in my life, I was afraid of a man, a man that I trusted that I loved and I was like I I know that I can't do this 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 cannot be my life and I knew it I said the words in my head but somewhere in in my core I didn't really believe that I felt like for some reason I deserved this even though I didn't know why he did it and um so he 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 knew that I wouldn't tell anybody. He knew that I was embarrassed. And he he told me that. He was like, I know you're not going to tell anybody because you're too prissy. You wouldn't, you don't want anybody to know that. So, you know, let's just pretend that this never happened and don't make me angry like this anymore. And I was just, I was, I was in shock. I didn't know 
I, I had so many questions for him, but I was so mad at him. I didn't want really to speak to him and I just wanted him to go, but he was right. I wasn't going to tell anybody because I was embarrassed. So he took advantage of that and he stayed for the rest of the weekend. And um, we had sex against my will. Um, I didn't want to, but I felt like if I didn't, then I would be hit again. You know, that's rape just to let you know. Yeah, I do know that that's rape. But back then when I was uh, 22, I didn't. I didn't. Um, I didn't acknowledge that that it was rape. And um, so when he finally left, that was a uh, Friday night. When he finally left on Sunday, he was like, um, I'll see you next weekend. And I didn't know how to tell him, no, you will not see me next weekend because I didn't want to be hit again. Mm -hmm. So he didn't come back the next weekend because where I went to school, he, uh, you needed someone to pick you up. And um, I just told him that I couldn't get anybody. The person who normally picked him up, she was away. And I wasn't lying, but, and I was happy that she was away. So there would be no way that I could get him. And so he, this happened like um, uh, four weeks before my, no, not four, two weeks before my graduation. So um, when I graduated, only my mom and my two brothers uh, could make it. Uh, my mother's landlord was a very nice lady. She brought, she drove my mother down to the graduation. And while I am getting ready to walk to the graduation, he shows up. I see him. And I am immediate. I am like terrified because I'm like, is he going to hit me because I didn't let him come back the, for the weekends? Like, I didn't know what was going to happen. And I was so like, this was the happiest, one of the happiest days of my life because I was a first generation uh, college. Well, first generation high school graduate. Mm -hmm. Then I'm the only, at that time, the only one to have gone to college and, and graduated. So I was really proud of myself. And here this man is, he came and ruined it for me. His presence ruined it because he put me in a state of fear. And I'm happy to be talking about this at this time because I didn't know that I was, I didn't know that it was a state of fear. I didn't know anything. I just, I just know that my day was ruined because I saw him. And, you know, if I, I'm going to show you the pictures yeah. when we see each other again, but I'm going to find those pictures and show them to you. You can see that I'm no longer happy, that I'm not happy as my graduation. That should have been because that was a major, major accomplishment for me. I should have been overjoyed, you know, but I wasn't. And there's a picture of him uh, with his arm around me. And he's, he's telling me, <laughs> excuse me, if you tell anybody, it's only going to get worse for you. And so the how he was able to get there is because he knew that I didn't tell my friends. So he told one of my sorority sisters that he said, hey, can you, you know, uh, rent a car and let's go down to Glenda's graduation? She didn't know anything. So she said, of course, I'll do that for you. That's how he got to my graduation. Wow. So, um, you know, I... He wanted me to forgive him, and um, I was happy that I couldn't. 
I told him, I said, I shared with you how my mom lived. And I told you I could never live in fear like that. Like, I don't, I don't know what you're going to do next. And so I don't want to be in a relationship with somebody like that. You know, I was like, I don't want to call the cops on you. I don't want you to get in trouble. I just want you to leave me alone. Can you please do that for me? You know, and he was like, you are my woman forever. So I don't know what you're talking about. You're going to get over this. And, and I was just like, yeah, no, I'm not going to get over it. And so we move, we move on. I go home. I don't get a job right away after graduation. It was very hard. This is 1991. And I just get a job in Macy's because I I have to work and I have to have my own money. Yes, I had aunts, my mother, everybody that was kind to me that would have taken care of me, but I didn't feel comfortable doing that. So I got a job at Macy's as a cashier, like I wasn't even a college graduate. Mm-hmm. And I worked in the men's department. And one, you know, you meet when you work in the men's department, you meet a lot of men. <laughs> so I met a few guys that wanted to take me out on a date. You know, and back then there were no cell phones. So we exchanged numbers on paper. People would write your number down and later they would call you. <laughs> and none of the guys that I met, they never called me. I never understood why. Mm-hmm. Until I met this young, this guy who was like a, you know. He was shorter than me. He was not a guy that I would date, but he made me laugh. And I just wanted to go on a date with him, you know? Mm -hmm. And he told me that the guy approached him when he was done talking to me. He said, he followed me outside and he told me, I better not call you. And he said, we got to wait a minute. Your boyfriend was hanging around Macy. Yeah. He was stalking me. Oh. So I had a, with this guy, sexual assault, stalking, and DV, okay? Mm-hmm. And um, he was, he has, he approached all the other guys, not that they were afraid of him, but I guess they just didn't want to get involved in anything like this. If I was a guy and I met a girl and her, her ex-boyfriend came and approached me and told me I better not call her, I wouldn't call her either. Not because I'm afraid of him, but just because who wants to be a part of that? Drama. Right. But this guy, he was not, he was like, yo, I don't, he said, is that your girl? And he said, no. He said, he told me that he's not your man. So I knew you weren't lying to me. So I told him, do, I'm not afraid of you. Like do whatever you're going to do. But if I want to take her out, I'm going to take her out. That's it. You don't control me. You might control her, but you're not going to control me. And so when the guy told me that I told him, no, I don't want to go on a date with him, but I didn't want to go on a date with him for his safety. Mm -hmm. You know? Because if this man is here stalking me in Macy's, I don't know where he is. So now I'm scared all over again because I graduated in May. This was like July. I had not seen or heard from him between that time. But that means he was watching me because I didn't call him to say, hey, I got a job at Macy's. I didn't tell him that. I had been working. I got that job immediately, like in May. Mm -hmm. I didn't tell him that I got it. So he was stalking me. And he was making sure that no one else talked to me except for this one guy. And I told him, listen, I can't go out on a date with you because I I fear for your safety. I don't want you to get hurt. It's not worth it. Thank you for being kind. Thank you for standing up for me, but I don't want to do it. And so then I just decided that I would meet, I would not meet anybody else. Anybody who attempted to talk to me, I just said no, you know, because I didn't know where he was. So one day I'm leaving there and he 
he's on the same train with me. Mm. And he comes out of nowhere. I have a Walkman. Remember Walkman? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a Walkman and I'm listening to my music and the train is crowded. So I'm standing on the, at the doors. And the next thing I know, he's right in front of me. Oh, Jesus. I literally felt like I was going to urinate on myself. Oh, Jesus. Okay. And he was like, don't be scared. And I was like, oh, my God. And the pocketbook that I had, he bought that for me. Because we were together for um, two years by the, the time that he did this to me, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so it, the pocketbook that I had, he bought that for me. He said, oh, I see you still carrying my bag. And I was like, it was a gift. You gave it to me. And he said, yeah, I want it back. And I was like, guy, like I won't say his name right, but... Mm-hmm. I said, can you wait till we get off the train and I'll go home and I'll give it to you. I'll take the stuff out and give it to you. He said, no, you don't give it to me now. Or I'm going to create a scene on the train. And I was like, okay. And I just, I took the Walkman out of it and I was trying to take my money. And he said, no, leave everything in it. Just give it to me. And I said, well, I got to get my house keys out. He said, did you hear what I said? I said, give it to me, all of it. So I was like, no, I'm not going to give you everything. You could have the bag, but you're not going to take my money. You're not going to take my keys. You're not going to, you know, mm-hmm. I was afraid of him. But at that moment, I don't know where that came from. And so when I stood up to him, he just, he just, uh, he walked to another part of the train. I thought he was going to get off at the next stop or something because that wasn't the train he should have been on anyway. But no, that's not what happened. He waited for me to get off the train and he followed me home and that's when he was like, give me my bag now. Take all your, you know, he was cursing. Take it out and give me my bag. And so when I was doing it, I guess I wasn't doing it fast enough. So he snatched the bag from me and dumped everything out on the ground. And um, he took the bag. And then he said, um, uh, if I want you, I could have you. You lucky that I'm going to just let you go, you know? And I wanted, I had so many things to say back, but I was so afraid to be hit again that I just let him go. And I, you know, I just um, I couldn't believe it because when I was standing there watching him, I was like, wow, that there goes my future. Like I say, yeah, you, you can't even make good choices. Like you don't deserve to have anybody because... You don't make good choices. Look at look at that. You you chose this man. You love this man. You thought he was everything. And look what he did. You know? And so okay. I just stood there. I felt humiliated. And I was picking my stuff up off the ground. And he said, um, I want to give you the bag back, but I will only give it back to you if you get back together. And I was like, nope. I'm not going to get back together with you. You could keep the bag. And, you know, I was like, I don't want no problems. I just want you. I want you to be well. I want you to get help because I can't believe that you did this to me. I can't believe that you put your hands on me. I can't believe that you stalked me, that that you um, scared me on the train. You tried to intimidate me on the train in front of people because he knows I, 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 I don't like confrontation i don't like attention like that you know people were moving away from us because they didn't know what he was going to do on the train 
nobody came to my rescue. They were trying to get away from it. And I was just, um, I was, I was broken. And I felt like pure, you know what? I just, mm-hmm. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that this is a man that I love for two years that I thought was going to be my husband. He and I planned our future and he didn't believe it, but I believed it. I wholeheartedly believed it. The how you know he didn't believe it? Because if he believed it, he would not have listened to his friends telling him that I was no good, that I was at school cheating on him. He would not have said, yeah, all y'all college girls think y'all all that, you know, sir. Insecurity, insecurity. One question I want to ask you. So mm-hmm. you were together two years before the incident occurred. Was there yeah. a sign of verbal so, abuse? Me, because abuse is not just physical. Right. So let me just share this part. There was never, when I tell you that I thought he was my, um, he he was my protector. Remember, I started out saying that. One time we were um, on a train going somewhere and um, we, you know, in my age group, when we were younger, we respected the elderly. We respected people that were old enough to be our parents. Mm -hmm. So this we met in the 90s so the crack era was in the 80s right mm-hmm. so in the late 80s a good friend of theirs from the block you know he didn't he's not a bum he didn't grow up in like you know he grew up in a, a neighborhood in brooklyn that wasn't the best neighborhood but he came from two a two-parent household two working parents with great jobs mm-hmm. you know retired with great pensions um he had two brothers. One is deceased and one um, is, you know, is still alive. But uh, he he was the one who did something wrong. You know, mm-hmm. he went to jail yeah. because um, he robbed some a store, a, a supermarket in the neighborhood. He did two years in jail, two one year in jail and, and two or three years on parole. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, he's never been in trouble. Well, I haven't kept I haven't. Uh, kept in touch with him um, and for the past maybe 10 years. But prior to that, I did um, still uh, keep in touch with him. Uh, Facebook, social media helps you, you know, stay connected to people. So um, he didn't come from trash is all I'm saying. Like, you know, he was no, it was no reason for him to go to jail, but I don't know when you act out, whatever. So somebody from his neighborhood had attacked his dad who was sitting outside on the porch. And it was years like uh, we got together in 90, 89. And somebody had attacked his dad like in 1986. And he told me, when I see him, I'm going to beat the hell out of him. Right? I figured, yeah, he's never going to see him. He ain't see him in all these years, right? Okay. So we're on a train one day going maybe to the movies because we always went to movies and out to eat. And so um, he saw the guy. He didn't tell me nothing. He said, just stay right here. Whatever you do, don't move. And I'm like, what is he doing? Next thing you know, he's over there beating the crap out of this guy. He dragged him in in between the cars Mm -hmm. and banged the man's face into the cement part of the, you know how you walk through the cars? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. He could have killed that that guy, right? Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, silly me. Oh, my God. I feel feel so protected. Nobody's going to do anything to me with this man around. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the young girl mind. Yeah, young the, girl mentality. Yeah, right. And so he did, but but he was avenging his dad, mm-hmm. right? And so I never thought that that could be me. I never thought about him ever, you know, exhibiting any sort of violence towards me. Never. We we had fun. We had a great time. I'm telling you, I you couldn't tell me that that wasn't the man for me. And you know, years later, when I'm older and I think about it, I say, you know, he was very violent. Although he had never done anything to me, never spoke a harsh word to me, never did any of that. You know, I was. That's why I was totally shocked when I pulled the door in and I'm pulling it in this way, and when I turn around, I get slapped. Mm-hmm by the man that I loved and the man that I adored, okay? And it, it's it's crazy. It, it was a it was a, a crazy time for me, right? Mm-hmm. So I didn't I never got back together with him. Eventually he left me alone. He um I don't after the the pocketbook incident, he never tried to contact me again except to tell me that he was moving to Georgia with his son's mother. Oh, so he had a child after y'all. He had a baby. No, no, no. He had the baby before I ever met him. When I met him, he had the the baby was a, a, a baby, a newborn. Okay. Did you ever meet the mom? No, I didn't meet her, but you know, she she was she never bothered me. She was not that kind of baby mama. She was never like that. Okay. She didn't try to pick up any incident that he might have had with her. Oh, I, you know what? I really don't think so because they eventually got back together mm-hmm. and had another child. They, both of their kids are grown now. My daughter's 29. Their, their kids are like 31 and 34-ish, mm-hmm. like that. So I don't think that um, they had, I don't think that they had a, a domestic violence issue. Okay. I, I don't think so because, um, you know, she... She was a she was a decent woman and she didn't she wasn't no oh you got a new girlfriend I'm trying to start trouble she never did that never I never had an issue with her while I was with him or anything well the reason I was um, because do you think this behavior was just a one time because it doesn't seem like a one time situation did he seem comfortable at his doing the things he was doing to you because it seemed like someone he seemed from listening to you, it, it sounded like he was comfortable in, so, in that, in that I, space. I felt like when it was happening to me, I felt like it only happened to me. Okay. Okay. So, um, and back then, I didn't think about, like you're asking me, that's a good question. I didn't think about if he ever had an issue with his son's mother. I didn't think about that. I, I never thought to ask him that. But since me, I felt like uh, he had gotten married to a beautiful woman. I saw their nice pictures on Facebook and everything. I haven't been on his page in years, but about six years ago, like he, one thing about him, he would always keep in touch with me and let me know all the good things that was happening to him. It was almost like, yeah, I know you think bad of me, but let me just tell you, I got my license now. I got a car. Um, me and my girl gonna buy a house and da da da, da and I'm getting married and and I was you know and 
because I loved him, I was proud of him. I was proud that he was getting himself together for what, whatever that meant. Like, did that mean maybe he went to counseling? Maybe he started feeling better about himself. Maybe he was able to be good to someone. Mm -hmm. And then I saw on Facebook that he no longer posting pictures of his wife. Mm -hmm. So I immediately thought that he did something to her. And that's why they're not together. Okay. So, um, because I loved him, I, um, I forgave him when he apologized. I felt like he was sincere because he was just good to me. Like a friend, like, you, I don't know, like some people, when they are in a relationship, it doesn't work out. But when they break up, they, um, they are better than they were when they were a couple. Yeah. And so that's what I felt like it, it was for us, right? So I move on. Um, that was 1991. I move on. I meet my daughter's father. And he turns out to be a person addicted to crack. Mm -hmm. um, when I find that out, I don't want no parts of him. So this guy, the same first guy that ever hit me, uh, I told you he got back with his son's mother. They mm -hmm. made a baby. They moved to Georgia. It didn't work out. They both came back to New York and um, he looked me up mm -hmm. and uh, my mother told him where I was because she hates me mm -hmm. and she told him where I was and you know, he, she gave him my number, sorry. And he called me and I took his call and, you know, I, I spoke to him. I was no longer afraid of him. I didn't feel scared of him or anything like that. And he asked if we could meet. I met him and he was like, oh my God, you're pregnant. He said, oh, I remember when we used to talk about having a baby and everything. And I said, yeah. And he said, yeah, you knew that baby should have been mine. And I was like, yeah, well, it just didn't work out or whatever. But I wasn't in a relationship with my son, my daughter's father. So um, I didn't see anything wrong with him coming to my house. Mm -hmm. My daughter's father saw him leave one day mm -hmm. and he got mad because he immediately thought that I was sleeping with him, but I wasn't. Mm -hmm. I, in my mind, I was trying to, I believe that I was trying to relive the good times prior to him slapping me. And it was just a companionship. It was nothing. We never, we never had sex. We never did anything inappropriate except maybe me letting him come to my house when I'm pregnant by another man and I live in the apartment in the house that his mother owns. <laughs> oh yeah, that's kind of um that's kind of tight. Right? So that's what happened and um he when he left one day, he called me as he when he got to the train station and he said, "I think I saw your your the baby's father." And he said, let me know if you need me to come back. And I was like, no, I don't need you to come back. And he said, because I will. And I was like, no, no, no. I don't want any fighting. I don't want any of that. Just stay where you are and just stay away for a little while. And he did that because I told you there was nothing going on. My daughter's father was calling me all kind of names, saying how did he know the baby is his and all this kind of crazy stuff, right? And I took it because I felt like, yeah, I could have done better. Maybe I didn't have to let him come over here, right? So I apologized to my daughter's father and I was like, don't worry, it won't happen again. 
And I guess he talked to his brothers and they were like, oh, you better check that. Who knows if that's your baby or whatever. And then one day he uh, he rang the bell in the kind of house that it was. You had to come down a flight of stairs and there was a door, but there was a, a, a gated door on the outside of that. So I kept that door locked. Mm -hmm. But this one day, I didn't know that it wasn't locked. And so when I opened the second door, he yanked the first door open and he just came in and he choked me. This is my daughter's father. So I have now moved on to the second man to hit me, right? He came and he choked me. And he was while he was choking me, he was pushing me further into the vestibule of this house, right? And I was like, oh, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I was seven months pregnant. I'm trying to protect my stomach and protect my face, too, because I didn't want him to punch me in my face. After all, he's a man. Mm -hmm. And then he just started slapping me. He was choking me. And I don't know what made him stop. But when he stopped, I thought I was dying, okay, because I couldn't breathe. And I went upstairs. I called the police. The guy, he called me, and he said, um, uh, he said, I'm on my way back because I know something happened. And so when he came back, he was on the porch. I wouldn't let him upstairs, and he was threatening my daughter's father to come outside. And then they called the cops on him. Mm -hmm. And I opened the window. I was like, just go, just go. I don't want you to get in trouble. He was like, yo, why would you, why would you hit a pregnant woman? And I was sitting there thinking, why would you, why would he hit any woman? And you hit me too. So what are you saying? Right? You're pregnant in this mind. <laughs> yeah. You know, like you have the nerve. You hit me. That's why we're not together, you know, but I didn't say that, of course. And so, um, I am not, when when my daughter's father hit me, I just knew that I was done. I was just a loser because I had two men, one I loved and one I didn't. I was never in a relationship with my daughter's father. We never loved each other. We got together for convenience mm -hmm. and we used each other. And when you use people, you get what you deserve. Like I needed to move out of my mother's house because of her and her husband, what they were doing. Her husband threatened to kill me. My my own mother didn't even like me. I needed to get out of there. My daughter's father made that happen for me. We weren't a couple or anything. He was just trying to get the apartment rented. And I didn't like him, but I pretended that I did so I could get that apartment. And his mother let me rent it. And... um. We were two lonely souls. We got together. We made a baby, but we didn't love each other. We didn't even like each other. We weren't even a couple. But I guess when he saw another man leave that house, he felt disrespected. I'm not making up excuses for him, but I'm just telling you what he told me. No judgment. And he's he's... Just listening. I'm just listening. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, I, um, I moved out immediately, and um, it's 29. Years later, my daughter is a 29-year-old, beautiful woman. She and her dad have a friendship because he wasn't a father, you know, so they have a friendship. They, if you see them, they're like two friends, two home, two homies. They call themselves homies. <laughs> and um, he and I had a come to Jesus moment when she was 15. You know, I apologized to him for using him to get the apartment. And um, for blaming him for everything that went wrong in our 
co-parenting as opposed to saying my role in it, you know, because I chose to have a baby from a man that I wasn't even in a relationship with, didn't even like. We, you know, we were both lonely and we we had unprotected sex. We made a baby. We made a commitment to the child. He did not keep the commitment. Mm -hmm. And so although that was an uh, an instance where there was domestic violence, there was no, like, I didn't feel the shame and the sorrow and the hurt and everything like I did with the first guy okay, because, nice. because I loved him. Mm -hmm. And this, the second one, the guy who my, my daughter's father, when he hit me, I just felt like, like I don't deserve goodness, you know, like I don't pick good guys. I didn't, I didn't hurt like I hurt with the first one. The first one, I was devastated. The, this one, I was like, you just no good at picking men, you know? And so maybe you should chill out and not pick anybody anymore. And that's kind of like what I did for years. I was just like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to try to have a relationship. The pain. So you internalize yeah. the pain and you pretty much blame yourself. And, you know, as the people are listening, we have to remind them that no matter what you do or how you do it, no one deserves to be hit. There's never an excuse. And when you're young, and when, let's be clear, when you're young, you're in the situation, it's easy to say things. Hindsight is a wonderful thing. We right. say so much when we're not in the situation. We can say so much after the situation occur. But when we're in the midst of the storm, we can't see the clarity outside until you get out of it hindsight and so we're just talking in general and i'm hearing you but i want people to realize as glenda explained her story and you can see how you can get caught up in it you can see how you can end up blaming yourself but i just want to remind everyone male and female that you don't have to make excuses it's not that you're making bad choices these people are making bad choices these individuals made bad choices that impact you. It wasn't about you picking them. They came to you, especially your first guy. He came to you and for two years listening to you, he played the role of a perfect person. Um, we'll never know, did he abuse the first lady or not? And as far as you said, he never had a reason. See, one thing about abuser, if things are going their way, they have no reason to show that part of them. If you were adhering to all his rules and regulation, he had no reason to intimidate you, to harass you. But it sounds like he was very comfortable in that space. That space came natural to him. And that space only occurred when he wasn't getting his way and felt insecure. Insecurity occurred when you moved away from him and you were no longer in his grip. While you were in the town with him, he had access to you. And he knew that you were so in love with him that he had full control of you mentally and emotionally. So he didn't have to pull any string. He didn't have to intimidate you because you can find in him. Once you can find in him and tell him everything you do and every move you make, he doesn't need to question you because you volunteered the information. You were a giver in all aspects. You were trustworthy because you told him everything and he could actually see you. Once you became out of sight, you always been that person, insecure. 
once you became out of sight, that's where the problem occurred because he no longer had that grip on you. You no longer had that grip. And yes, as far as protecting you, yes, abusers can protect the first one. They think, and you're not even the first, but he can protect you. I'm sure if something had happened to his baby mother, he would protect her too. And I'm sure that you are 100% correct. Um, you know, like I said, I'm an older woman now. I know better. I know that, that none of that was my fault. But when it was happening to me, I did internalize it. I did say, oh, my God, you don't make good choices. You, you know, you you don't know how to pick a good man. Um, maybe you are supposed to um, be in a relationship like that. Your mom did it, you know. But like I so said in the beginning, even though I watched my mother be beaten, for the majority, like the earliest, my earliest recollection is when I was nine years old. It probably happened before that, but that was a fight that I and my god sisters jumped in. Wow, <laughs> we so, all okay. jumped that, in. that left an impression on you. That's an everlasting yeah, impression. You know, on you. Yeah, so it could it could have been happening before then, but that's my earliest recollection of of my mom being beaten. And when I was slapped, I knew that that was wrong, even though I was young. I knew. And I said, no, that can't, I can't let that happen. I can't. I immediately broke up with the guy. I did not stay for him to do it again. But then because I didn't stay with him, he then started stalking me. Okay. And, you know, I, 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 I didn't, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I'm thankful to the guy who had the nerve, the guts to stand up to him and to call me and tell me, because if he didn't, I wouldn't know. I would just think, those guys that I met, they changed their mind. They didn't want to talk to me. You know what I mean? Even though they were the ones to approach me. Yeah, But, but this guy, too. I'm sorry. But I'm glad he spoke to you too. And I'm happy and I'm proud of you. And give yourself kudos on the back. Pat yourself on the back for the action you take at that age. Because back in yeah. the 90s, there weren't many discussion about domestic violence. There wasn't many information about domestic violence you really didn't hear much about it you didn't hear where to go for help it wasn't discussed and in in, in certain community guys beating on a woman to keep her in check was seemed to be the norm almost somewhat yes a lot of people you hear about it but no one ever called the cops rarely you know what i mean it really have to get out of control but it seemed to be the norm in certain places so i am so proud of you that at that age you took the right action. You took the right steps. You did a great job. Remember, yeah, I, I, I get. I did give myself credit for that. I don't give myself credit for lots of things, but I did pat myself on the back for that one because I didn't stay. I didn't let it continue because I couldn't. Mm -hmm. The shame that I felt from the slap in my mind, I was thinking about, oh my god, what's gonna happen the next time? Like the next time is gonna be worse, you know. And I, and I was scared when I was saying no in my mind. I was like, God, please don't let him hit me. Please don't let him hit me, you know? But I was saying no, and he he knew that I meant no. You know, I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't take him. And then I got enough courage to tell my sorrow who brought him to the graduation. I didn't tell her for a whole year. And she felt so bad. And I told her, no, 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 don't feel bad. It's not your fault. I should have spoken up. And then I know you would not have brought him. She would have made up an excuse. No, I can't go. Because she wasn't coming to the graduation. She did that out of love for me. She was like, oh, you know, we, um, you know how New Yorkers are. We 
we don't really get driver's licenses if we live in the city because we don't have to. Yeah. Right. We get them very late in life. Like when we grow up and we do a little better in life, when we move to the suburbs, you have to have a car. So you have to get a driver's license. Right. We didn't, and we're talking back then. You didn't need a license. You didn't really need it. You got New York State ID. You didn't have to have a driver's license. So we, I didn't have a license. My my soror did, though. And my boyfriend at the time didn't. So, you know, we would depend on other people to drive us around or we would get a cab. It's not, you know, we just it's didn't. It's the norm. It's the norm. Right. And so, you know, it's not the norm today. These young kids get their license as soon as they can. But back in the 90, 80s and the 90s, I, I mean, I told you I was 20 in 19... I, in 1991, I was 20, turning 23 that year. And I still didn't have a driver's license. And that's I got okay. it. <laughs> no, no, no. I got it that year because the job that I was getting, you need to be able to use the cars. Uh -huh. So I got it. But I'm just saying, prior to that, I never got one. And neither did the neither did the boyfriend. So um I'm proud of myself for standing up to him for not. Um, well, I didn't stand up to him at first, <laughs> but I did say, no, I'm not going to stay in a relationship with you or whatever. You stood up and to then him, your he... personality, just, you stood up to him, you know, stand up to somebody doesn't mean you have to get in their face. Your right, action, no, I, your action yeah, by no. not allowing them to come back the second time uh, by not, because some women not knocking them, but some women, if, even if your friend weren't available, they would still try to find a ride. You, you didn't. So you didn't make it easy. And so your own way, you stand up to him because he could sense that's why he came back. He knew that you didn't want him around. So you stood up to him in your own way that works for you. And it was communicated to him. He knew. Yeah. I'm I'm glad that he that he walked away, though, because he didn't have to. That that could have went a whole other way. But I'm glad I'm proud of myself for saying no mm -hmm. and for saying I'm not going to be abused. So. Years later, when when the baby's father did it, I didn't stay with him either. Good. We were never together. We never lived together with our baby. I always had her. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we we did all kind of stuff, dropping off at the priest, saying, going to court, every little thing that you could think of. But he never, ever put his hands on me again Good. because I didn't give him the opportunity. Good. Did you? And like I said, sorry, I, I'm sorry. Sorry to interrupt. Did you go to counseling? I didn't not not back when that was happening, but I did go to therapy later on in life, like when I was in my forties. Good because Good. because life was was getting to be too much for me, and I realized that I had not dealt with a lot of the traumas that I've had to deal with. Okay. Um, I didn't stay in therapy because I wasn't. I didn't feel as empowered as I do today. Like. Today, I don't look at therapy as something bad. I look at it as a necessity. So, um, but when I was in my 40s, it wasn't helping me because I was, it was defeating its purpose because I was knocking myself for being in it. So I didn't stay. You wasn't there yet. You wasn't ready for the help. I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't ready for it. <laughs> so um, I would, I, I wish that every woman my prayer for every woman that is going through domestic violence, that you find your strength to say this is it and that you leave when when you can, okay? Because 
I'm proud that in my twenties, I said, no, no, I can't do it. And I'm proud that I didn't, that I didn't stay. I'm glad too. But I know that that's not everybody's uh, situation. And I just made up in my mind that I would never allow anyone to mistreat me like that ever. So, you know, um, my triggers are yelling at me, you know, um, I don't like to, when a man raises his voice, I get nervous. Okay. And, and the kind of job that I have, you know, it's, uh, you know, a lot of men are in it. And, you know, when you're not doing what they want you to do, sometimes they yell. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I just excuse myself because it is a trigger for me. Okay. And I don't want to have an outburst mm -hmm. for something that really doesn't need, doesn't require an outburst. It's nothing personal so, at the time when it happens. So you need, right. to, I'm glad you identify your trigger because a lot of things, a lot mm -hmm. of times we don't identify our trigger and we wonder why we have breakdown, why we fall back into certain position because they're triggers. And that's one of the most important things you can do for yourself is to understand before a nervous breakdown, anxiety attack, whatever the case might be, because our body tells us, our body senses you know, certain things lead up and we know what the reaction will going to be. So it's mm -hmm. so happy that you have taken the time to understand yourself and learn yourself so you can be prepared and how to help yourself. Because that's what it's all about, having the tools so you can prevent and protect yourself emotionally and mentally. Absolutely. And I, I thank you for this platform, this safe space to speak about it. Um, I know that it, it will always be in my mind, but I'm proud to say that I am getting better because there was a time I couldn't talk about the first story without crying. Mm -hmm. And I used to beat myself up about it. And, you know, I shed a few little tears here in the beginning, but, um, if you had met me five years ago and we had this conversation, you would probably have to stop this recording because I was unconsolable, you mm -hmm. know, and I have never shed a tear telling the story about my daughter's father mm -hmm. that's that when i tell that story it's almost like yeah that's so matter of fact and you know and i do attribute that to the fact that there was no love there you know like we were just two lonely um people who needed help but not each other we thought we needed each other but we didn't mm -hmm. but the first the first example of my um domestic violence i think it will always be with me because I loved the man and I, no matter how much help I get, I'm always going to think about, I'm always going to go back to why didn't I see it? You know, why didn't I see that he could do that to me? It was devastating to me. Absolutely mm -hmm. devastating. Yeah, and, and, and it makes sense why it would be devastating. You know, your feelings is valid in so many ways. You know, love is blind and it really is because when you love mm -hmm. someone, mm -hmm. you pick out all the good things about him and you take all the things that you might not consider so good. You put them on the back burner. You even throw them away. You throw them away because you we know that we always walk in things, especially and we're very nurturing, looking at everybody got not so good quality. We know that. So but if the good outweigh the bad that we can actually see then we think it's all perfect because we always say, well, nobody's perfect. So with that being said, somebody have a few 
here and there. She has a few not so great quality, but these quality over here, they're so wonderful. They're just totally wonderful. And there's nothing wrong with that. The, the most important thing is that, and you know something, depends on that person, he might have had triggers. His childhood, things that happened in his life, and we don't know, but it's not your concern what his trigger is for him to learn. But a person could have been walking a straight line, doing everything right, and then they have a trigger, and that brings on that behavior. But you know something? It's not our concern. It's not. The concern is that you're safe and the concern that you identify. Whether you find it out earlier or not, the fact remains when it occurred, you realize it didn't feel good. And that's one of the most important things. Self-love and understanding is so important. As much as you started to doubt yourself afterward, you did love yourself. And you do love yourself. Not did you do love yourself. And you loved yourself back then. Um, loving yourself goes back and forth because we beat up on ourselves. We're our worst critic. Absolutely. But you loved yourself enough to know that this doesn't feel good. And that's what I tell people a lot of time you're in a situation. If it doesn't make you feel good, that is not for you regardless of what it is that you're doing. It doesn't have to be a domestic situation. If you're going in a situation and your instinct, your gut, that's your intuition was talking to you, was telling you, mm, babe, this ain't working. Listen to your intuition, listen to your body because your body, your entire being won't steer you wrong. And you believed in it. You have faith in it. You followed your gut instinct. Absolutely. And I'm glad. So when you say you're not making good choices, you made wonderful choices. You made good choices. Because I'm telling you, nobody know what anybody, sometimes these people don't even know what they're capable of doing. So you can't speak for anyone but yourself. You don't know what Absolutely. tomorrow will bring. You only can account for your behavior and your action. And when someone show you who they are, then you make the appropriate decision. And that's what you have done in each case. They showed you who they are, who they were, what they're capable of, and you made the proper decision. So you're capable of making good decision, and you did. And that's why you're here today talking to me and sharing the story with me. I am very happy to be here to share the story. I hope my story resonates with your listeners. I hope that somebody can say, I remember that feeling, and they can walk away and say that they were proud of something that they did as well. Because survivors, we always beat ourselves up. We always do it. I just confess to you that, you know, I, some part of me still feels like I should have seen it coming, but I couldn't because like you said, I had already just only focused on what I perceived to be the good in him. You know, when he attacked that man on the train I should have, that should have been like, whoa, wait a minute. Like that's excessive. You know, that could be me one day, you know, but that day I was just like, hey. I felt sorry for the, the young man that he almost killed, but I felt like, Hey, he was avenging his dad. That man should not have beat his father up mm -hmm. and stole his money. You know, crack was big back then. So that's what happened. And, you know, I justified what he did as opposed to, saying like why would you do that you know i did ask him and that's when he explained he said remember the story i told you that was the guy so i told you when i saw him i was gonna get him and so i saw him and i did you learn one thing that day he holds a grudge 
<laughs> I learned that he keeps his word too. <laughs> he said he gonna do something, he gonna do it, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. But I didn't look at it that way. I looked at it like, wow, I don't have to worry about anybody messing with me when so-and-so is here. Well, it's true because he almost stepped to the other guy. So, I mean, you know, everything has its reason. And I think you have learned a lot. You have come a long way. And there's so much nugget to be taken away from your story for anyone in that situation. Because we all have been there where we meet somebody and, you know, when somebody first meets you, they always put their best foot forward. And, you know, when you're young and you're with somebody, if you don't live together, you really don't know them. You know what they represent and what they present to you for the couple of hours that you see them and hang out with them, unless you're living with them 24-7. You know what I mean? And you can live in a house with somebody and still don't know them. So to me, you're right. You're right. You did a great job. You you saw what you saw. You saw what he gave you. You saw what you he wanted you to see. And at the time, what you saw was beneficial to you. And it worked. And so I'm just thankful. And once again, I thank you, Miss Glenda, for being here and sharing your story. I am positive that many people would get a lot out of this. They always do. And I definitely did. It made me think about my situation. And it's, it's wonderful to hear. And you're doing great. I'm proud. Well, I thank you so much for allowing me to um, speak because I think that speaking is healing. And every chance that I get to do it, I'm going to. There was a time when I couldn't talk about it. I'm happy to be past that. And, you know, I look forward to when I retire <laughs> in 2024 to be more of an advocate for domestic violence and sexual assault. Because we need all yeah. the advocate we can get. Because I'm telling you, mm -hmm. you, that is a uphill fight with laws and rules coming around, and you know, society promote violence, especially between women, especially African American women. They are at the bottom of the bold in so many ways. We're the most educated, but we're the most despised in so many different ways. And you know, people have to remember violence happen not just in the home but in the workplace as well with friends and family as well jealousy stimulate you know abuse domestic violence the word violence kind of throw people off all the time because it's not just violence there's right. passive abuse when people financially you know uh in your workplace when you're superior you know talk down to you or withheld things from you and a co or a coworker who's jealous who harass you in so many ways. I mean, sexual assault doesn't mean penetration. It's just the fact that they intimidate you and try to use their power and constantly harass you after you've told them stop. And young ladies and men out there, remember if someone is doing something you don't like, make sure you tell them to cease and desist. And if they don't, follow through, report to HR, report to the cop. If nothing else, write down the date and time for yourself, make a journal. If you're not ready to tell, write it down, date and time, document the situation for yourself. And so when you're ready and share that information with somebody. So when you are ready to tell, you can account for the various time it occurred. Don't take it and stalk it. I'm so glad stalking is against the law now. It never used to be. And 
stalking, they can stalk you electronically in so many ways. And, you know, as technology improves, so is the ability to commit crime when it comes to domestic violence. And when I say domestic violence, I'm speaking about the umbrella because so many things fall under there. Um, so keep that in mind, everyone. Be safe. We're wrapping it up tonight. So let's go. We are going to wrap it up. And remember, self-love and self-care with positive affirmation is feeding one mind, body, soul, and spirit. Remember, you are worthy of all good things that comes your way. And with that being said, my podcast dropped twice a month. So look out for it. And you can also follow me on Instagram, Instagram, um, Facebook. Um, you can also follow me on my website. My website is Survivor Empower Life Coach Financial. Just come on over. Um, if you go to my Facebook, Survivor Empower Life Coach Financial, you'll see all my good stuff. So follow me, share and like the podcast. See you all around. Bye.